This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Report. Let's do the show, folks. Gum, gum, gum. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Hey guys, welcome back to the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton, and today we are doing a retro rewind episode, once again revisiting The Force Awakens, this time uh, an interview I did with composer Gordy Hab, who is uh, a composer who's worked in the world of Star Wars on the scores for such video games as The Old Republic and, of course, Battlefront and Battlefront 2. Really talented guy who does an amazing job breaking down the score. And I know a lot of you haven't had a chance because this aired way back right after The Force Awakens originally came out in theaters. And I know so many of you guys have jumped on board with the Star Report podcast since then. So here's an opportunity to visit or revisit that conversation with composer Gordy Hab. On this episode of the Star Wars Report Podcast, we're joined by a very special guest to focus on the score of The Force Awakens. Man, this is an amazing, amazing musical triumph of John Williams once again. It's a subtle score. It's different. And we're going to talk about it right now. Falcon flight with destiny. Oh, man. Guys, I'm not going to lie. This is going to be a pretty amazing episode. Oh, man. Let's do it. We're going to bring him in. We've got a special guest. It's Mr. Gordy Hab. How's it going, Gordy? How's it going? It is going Absolutely fantastic, man. Um, awesome. Uh, I, I should say, I'm Riley Blanton. I'm the host of this here podcast. And if you've stumbled across this this show on iTunes or wherever you've heard of us, uh, you're in for a treat because we're talking John Williams. But, I, but before we get into all that, I got to give two little quick background stories. Uh, one was, I, ne- I will never forget a friend of mine. I want to say it was back before high school for me. I, I, I honestly can't remember the exact year, but I do remember this. I saw the most amazing Star Wars fan film ever, Ryan versus Dorkman, and it was uh, it was incredible. And he, I have, but, uh, yes, he may be all right, fine. He, he he's composed music for the Old Republic, for Star Wars Connect, yes, now for Battlefront. But I'm I'm almost most excited about the fact that he worked on my introduction to Star Wars fan films, Ryan versus Dorkman. It's Gordy Hab. Gordy, thanks so much for being a part of the program today. <laughs> thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that was one of my. 
favorite projects of all time, Ryan versus Dorkman. And uh, actually, it was my first uh, sort of jump into the Star Wars universe as well, musically, at least. That is amazing. Man, uh, well, tell me all about it, because I'm curious, uh, like, uh, you, how did you transition? How did you get the gig? First, you're doing uh, star, scoring a Star Wars fan film in the vein of John Williams. Next thing you know, yeah. here you are today yeah, scoring so- the biggest AAA Star Wars title of the year. How did that happen? Well, it's, uh, you know, actually, Ryan versus Dorkman had a lot to do with it, to be honest. Um, when I had worked on that film, um, I think none of us really knew how big it would blow up on YouTube. You know, I mean, it, it, it got like something like five million hits in a, a week and a half, back when five million hits was something really special. Um, and uh, somebody at LucasArts had seen it in the music department, and they were looking for a composer to score a game called uh, Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings. And uh, wow. so they liked the music in, in Ryan versus Dorkman and sought me out and spoke to me and asked me if I was interested in writing a demo. So I did. And uh, I got the job. And that's basically the beginning of my uh, my work with, uh, with Lucas. You could and say it was your first step into a larger it absolutely world. Absolutely. It was the first step for sure. That's amazing, man. And and so what and your music is very distinctly um John Williams esque. You are you are definitely uh, and and full disclosure like a friend of the show David Collins um uh, mm-hmm. he does the amazing program Star Wars Oxygen. Like we're we're having fun here, but they're going to they're doing an amazing job too really breaking down the score of the Force Awakens. Um but I I just wanted to say I listened to a, an amazing interview you did on on his show and it just it's what amazed me was your process for composing. Talk a little bit about like um, what goes into video game composing, specifically your style. Sure. Uh, yeah. For, well, my style in particular, because you know it, it is so much in the sort of symphonic language, uh, same as John Williams, is uh, it's sort of old school. My process. I, I I still write my scores with a pencil and paper, and I I sit at the piano and I do full sketches, manuscript, and then I fully orchestrate everything myself, which is is not as common these days in film or video games. I mean, a lot of times there's, you know, teams of orchestrators, in fact, helping composers sort of get it to the finish line. And, but that's just a big part of my process. And I think it's such a big part of the Star Wars sound is the symphonic nature and, and how it's orchestrated. So to let go of that seems, you know, like a, like something that would be really difficult to really get that sound if I was to let go of that aspect of it. So that's a huge part of my process. And, you know, from that point, it's it's a matter of demonstrating what I've written in some fashion. And I have a person that works with me who does complete mock-ups of all of my manuscript sketches. And then once we get those approved, then I go to full score and and ultimately record it. That's so. that's amazing. So like, and you can hear it. Like, um, I, I want to play this clip real quick. Um, this is from the Star Wars Battlefront soundtrack. And this is tell this is the Horde fight theme. Which which tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, this was a really fun one to write because, uh, you know, with with video games in particular, um, the music's function is is slightly different than film. Where, where film, you know, you're following a certain timeline and you can dodge around dialogue and you can jump around, uh, you know, sound effects and that type of thing. And, and, and when the music is supposed to be really big, you can get really big, but then you have to duck down under dialogue. With video games, you, you never know how loud sound effects will be at any given time. And music needs to play over top of all of that. So one of the big tasks is almost with Star Wars in particular is to take sort of the sound of a John Williams action cue and 
multiply it by 10 so that it's, it's, it's basically, you know, volume up to 11 the whole time, you know, and, and the purpose of that for the game, of course, is that you have to keep the action high. And if, if there's thousands of explosions because there's 40 people playing at once, then the music won't be heard if it's not, you know, at its fullest level. So it's basically my goal is to keep the intensity extremely high throughout the entire uh, piece. All right. Well, let's take a listen. This is guys, this is an example right here. Kind of, um, it's kind of John Williams unhinged. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the idea. Yep. Well, and it complements the um, the, uh, the musical flavor of the of the world so well. And 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 that's something I've got to just say that 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 Lucas Arts and now Lucasfilm and um, have always done so well in Star Wars video games because, uh, like, I grew up playing a lot of them, and uh, I'll never forget like, the Knights of the Old Republic soundtrack or the Force yep. Unleashed soundtrack, and it's it's always unique because as the Star Wars universe expands, it requires more unique um, music, but it always needs that touchstone of its you know the musical creator John Williams, and I and you guys do that so well. I'm I'm always sure. constantly impressed by by what you guys are able to put together. And you, and I got to say that sounds that I want to say that orchestra sounds a little familiar. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, and it should because it's the London Symphony Orchestra, which you know of course is played on many of John Williams soundtracks, and you know probably most notably the the prequel scores, which are you know some of my favorite scores that he's written actually but the london symphony they're, they're brilliant i mean what an orchestra they can play anything and you know i mean what you're listening to there is maybe the second take you know i mean everything wow. we put in front of them they just sight read it almost perfectly and you know it's just amazing to work with a group like that 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 is absolutely in- incredible yeah yeah man, that's yeah, amazing really is. I, i'll tell you what it's I I love and and before we really get into the the full meat of the show, I I just want to tell you, Gordia, and and the listeners a little bit of background on me because I'm I, I'm like a moderately competent musician and a a super um, novice uh, classical music nerd. So like I absolutely have, especially in the last couple of years, have come to really love some of the um, original inspirations of modern cinema scores and 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 i know a lot of my friends who absolutely love movie soundtracks they love pirates of the caribbean or the lord of the rings soundtracks and of course star wars but there's a rich history of um of background and cultural background to the, some of the music that inspired this and and it's interesting because it's it's just generational that's all it is it just happens to be that movies are a big entertainment platform today but it's the same kind of music that's so inspirational to all of us um, that I think really touches the hearts and minds of the culture beyond just the movie. And that's one thing I think that John Williams' music does so well and that what so much of the Star Wars music, uh, whether it's Battlefront or any of the other games, is is if you can rock out to it while you're studying for your uh, Spanish final, <laughs> then then, you, then it's done then it's done its job. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'll know. never forget, Gordy, I, I would go into all... 
I didn't see any of the Star Wars films until around the year Revenge of the Sith came out because I'm I'm uh, I'm that kid, that millennial kid who grew up with the Star Wars of the prequel era, and I'm one of those weirdos who like I my older siblings all owned the soundtrack, so I had the entire score to all six films pretty much memorized when I went and saw these films. Uh, And it was such a uniquely awesome experience, which is why uh, for The Force Awakens, when we went in this time, uh, Abrams and company, you know, they didn't release the soundtrack beforehand. The first time we heard the music was in the context of the film. And it was different. It was it was kind of tough to get used to. It was um, it wasn't as bombastic as as uh, previous Williams scores. But if you're up for it, Gordy, let's jump in. Let's if we want to talk to Force Awakens. Um, I, I think it, what's interesting is that my initial kind of thought when I listen to a new Star Wars score, uh, especially this one, is that I kind of find myself playing tune detective, uh, or, or I guess to use the proper term, uh, light motif detective. Like I'm looking yeah, for familiar exactly. character themes. And so whenever I hear one, I'm like, aha, there it is, Princess Leia's theme. But I think that sometimes right. does a disservice because while Williams does it, that's not the dependent thread of this film. You're not waiting for the big Imperial March at the end of Attack of the Clones to tell you something bad is coming, right? It's right, a different exactly. kind of score. But but before we get into the, like the, the nitty-gritty details, Gordy, what, since you're a huge student of Williams, what was your overall impression of the score upon first hearing it? You know, so my first impression of the score was, you know, was of course, wow, it's brilliant because it's John Williams and I've never heard him write a bad note. But uh, I actually did hear the score the day before I saw the film. So ah. uh, I had a moment to sort of live with it. And I actually, this is kind of funny because I really didn't want to have any spoilers. So I had the soundtrack and then I immediately imported it and renamed all of the tracks you know, sort of blindly to just number one, two, three, and so on, because I didn't want to see names of tracks in case there were any spoilers to the plot lines. <laughs> so I had no idea. <laughs> I was going to say, if like track 20 to. or track 19 was Han's Noble End, that would be kind right. of <laughs> Exactly, just in case. And, uh, you know, so when I was listening to it, it was, it was almost a completely blind listening test because I had no association with what the music was for. Uh, what characters it was for. So I was just listening to it, almost just like, you know, listening to a symphonic piece of music. And, and I really, really loved it. I think, I think what I was, what I latched onto first was, uh, was some of the textural, uh, elements that was in the score. It was, it was less, uh, blatant leitmotif writing, even though, of course, there were, are some very big new melodies and new leitmotifs. But, you know, a, a lot of it was very textural. And, um, and sort of mood creating. And I thought that was really interesting because I mean, a lot of his other scores that aren't star Wars in particular do follow that line a bit. And, uh, and I was always kind of thinking it would be cool if he kind of incorporated more of that textual approach to writing with a star Wars score. And, and he certainly did with this one. I, I think it's great. I really love it. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm a big fan and it, but it did take for me, I think some warming up to because it does have a bit of a different flavor. Yeah. And I think some of the initial immediate reactions were people who did. And I mean, honestly say that they thought it was inferior to the previous Star Wars, um, scores. And I'm not sure, uh, I, it, well, I can say very confidently now upon further research and listening several times. Uh, I don't think that's the case at all. What it, what it is is like you say, it's that, that fleshing out, um, that textural it's it is textural it's it's very um the light motifs are definitely there particularly Ray's theme but yeah. uh, when we when it comes to the fresh material 
there's a sort of um it's all about like the harmony and rhythm and orchestration it's yeah. a very uh almost heady score at least for me and i i man i i absolutely loved it yeah, you know, what's interesting is, and to be completely honest, I mean, my first listen, you know, was, of course, without seeing the film first. And I, I wouldn't use the word underwhelmed, but I was surprised at its lack of huge drama, you know. And, uh, you know, and, and I certainly liked it, but I was I was kind of curious why it was as subtle as it was or maybe a little more reserved in places. But then when I saw the film... It works so perfectly well with every moment of the film. Then it all sort of came together for me. And so when I revisited the soundtrack after seeing the film the first time, I completely fell in love with it. And, you know, it's, it's slowly becoming some of my favorite material for Star Wars, actually. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, no, it is. It, it's definitely grown a ton on me. Kind of like the film, though. The film is very different yeah. in, in its flavor yeah. um, uh, than, than the previous theatrical Star Wars films. In a way that did take some getting used to as a guy who's you know seen every single one of these things so many times, right? Um, Likewise, in terms of like the visual language was different, and I think that yeah. kind of is a mark of excellent collaboration between Abrams and and Williams is that they kind of understand that this is a a kind of uh, a different Star Wars universe. Um, but let's talk about like some of the sp- specific themes. The the one I really want to. And I, I I apologize in some ways because this is not going to be linear. It's not going to be uh, <laughs> it's not going to be a nice processing through each theme. I'm going to kind of just go in order of things that super excite me about this music. And the first one yeah. is this absolutely insanely awesome uh, note. And of course, uh, as you guys know, I, I'm for the first few weeks I'm going to keep saying that anything you're listening to on this podcast feed now, Star Wars spoilers, spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, of course, everyone knows the the beloved uh, Imperial March, right? We got absolutely classic. Everyone can recognize it. So when I hear at the end of the film, finally, after much shrouded mystery, the amazing, soft, and mysterious theme rising, I am already getting chills when I'm in the in the theater for the first time and then I hear this and I'm like hmm that's of course it should be very familiar because they're using these sort of sinister oscillations you've got the uh, the E flat minor to the G minor and then back and forth it's kind of this trade-off that's done in the exact same and again I'm going to show a little bit of musical ignorance here but I, I believe that's the same key it is actually the exact same key and it's using this the same uh modal shifting that he uses in the imperial march and and I, I do believe that there's a hint there I certainly am speculating of course but um but it's such familiar chord uh, chord uh, shifting that he's done in the previous movies. I, I can't imagine it's not some sort of foreshadowing. So. Yeah, and of course, if you but guys, I, I thought it was pretty interesting as well. No, absolutely, absolutely. And if you guys don't recognize, of course, that's from the Jedi Steps and the finale, right before, of course, they cut to the. Uh, uh, and again, this is where I'm jumping around a little bit, but they where they just cut right to the. Uh, into the film, and it's this very kind of sinister. It, I mean, it's it starts out in a very soft way, but then it kind of has this sinister 
uh, vibe just for a moment, just for a moment. And I think it very much fits Mark Hamill's expression where you're really trying to read what he's thinking. Uh, yeah, my exactly. personal pet theory is that he's he just realized he forgot his breakfast. Uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a little bit more serious uh, stuff than that. But yeah, that's yeah. it's it's absolutely amazing. And and I'm I I also want to talk about and we're I think we're going to cap off with Ray's theme because that's really the centerpiece of this score. So we'll we'll yeah. save, of course, kind of best for last. But I want to talk a little bit about someone who you wouldn't necessarily think had a theme. And that's uh, Poe Dameron, uh, everyone's favorite X-Wing pilot, because you don't really, it's not really clearly labeled on the soundtrack, but a lot of the criticism that talks right. about how this film doesn't have enough character themes just hasn't, I don't think, quite been listening close enough, and, which is fair enough, because the film's only been out for like just over two weeks. Uh, same thing for the soundtrack. It's not like we've lived right. with it for years and years. Exactly, Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot to be said for that, too, because, uh, you know, I mean, with, with the themes that we all know and love from the original trilogy, I mean, w you have to take into consideration that we've heard that music so many times, even if, you know, whether we want to or not. I mean, it's in every part of pop culture now. I mean, you know, the, the Imperial March is, is, has been ingrained in our, <laughs> in our minds for, for many years. So, you know, to hear new themes, I mean, sometimes they take a while to sort of settle and uh, and become part of your you know your 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 mind's eye and i think that's certainly the case with this score and i even discovered that myself just listening to it you know after having seen the film i immediately started recognizing these these small motifs that he was working with and now having listened to it more and more i mean they're they're extremely singable they're very memorable uh, i think they're going to grow and become you know these these themes that we all latch onto, just like the Imperial March. I think so, and it's it's interesting because I was in theaters, uh, Gordy, yesterday. I think this is my fifth screening, which is a ton yeah. for me. Although I've got some of my friends who've gone and seen it like ten times now. Uh, <laughs> but I was in I was in the theater um, taking some family who hadn't even seen it yet uh, on New Year's Day yesterday uh, up in Atlanta, Atlantic Station at uh, their super awesome uh, RPX. It's Regal's like fancy premium uh, theater. The important yeah. thing to me, I don't care about the comfy seats or the hamburgers you can buy. I care about the <laughs> Dolby Atmos surround sound system. Absolutely. And that's where you can really hear it uh, booming. And it's, it's, it's incredible. I, um, in fact, so like when you hear, this is uh, the first time you hear Poe's theme, as I mentioned, and, and Gordy, you did perfectly. I need you as a regular co-host because what you did was you perfectly filled the airtime while I had to reload my audio so that I could actually <laughs> play a sample here. But let's take a listen. Yeah. <clears throat> Of course, of course, that um, edition of the theme is heard in the track "I Can Fly Anything" right at the beginning of the film, exactly. uh, when he flies the Tie Fighter. Probably the most bombastic edition. You'll hear it once again in that really, really amazing tracking shot that still gets applause. Gordy, like again, to take a brief side jack from the music, this yeah. theater is is three quarters of the way packed still, more than two weeks into screening, and people are still applauding whenever characters show up on screen. And I'm like, let's yeah. all be honest here. This is all like our third time seeing it, right? And we're still applauding? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> all right. It's true. And I've seen it three times, too. Uh, and in Atmos, and, and the Atmos really does add a lot. I, I must admit, it was just, that was the coolest experience. Oh, me. absolutely. But yeah, you there you hear it. It's, um, I, I, what, what would you, it's, it's very triumphant and different from most of what 
anything else? You you have really two kind of triumphant themes that are prominent in the score. This one doesn't only appears two or three times in the film, so it's not as yeah. immediately noticeable. Pose, of course. I don't know that you would call it a full theme, but it's certainly a leitmotif for the character. It's certainly a motif associated with the character. And and you're right, it is very sort of a broad, um, you know, majestic sounding theme. I mean, the way he's, you know, horns, the French horns with the violins and octaves, that kind of sound is, you know, certainly gives a, a an air of uh, a majestic nature and, you know, and, and being spread like that, the, the full range of the orchestra, I think really kind of gives it this, you know, very open, you know, sort of exciting feeling, but it's also very melodic. I mean, it's not a fanfare necessarily. It really is sort of a, a beautiful melody, you know, even if it's a short one, it's not like an, you know, a song form type of thing where it has like a B section, but it, yeah. you know, so it's more of a motif than anything, but I, I think we're going to hear more of that one for sure. No, I absolutely. I think well, what's interesting that that is triumphant and then there's one other section of the score that is kind of has that broad marching triumphant sound. Yeah. And in yeah. fact it is called a march. It's the march of the resistance. Yep. Dateline NBC. Coming up. <laughs> it does kind of sound like the meet the press intro. It, it but does, it, it was funny. It has this sort of like right here. So there it is. It's the March of the Resistance, which, which, man, to me, when I first, the track listing came out right before the soundtrack, and I was wondering, is this a kind of counter, an inversion of the Imperial March? I don't know, Gordy, you seem better qualified to make that judgment than me. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought about that, but I, I should, now I want to actually kind of dig into the melody a little more and, and see. Well, actually, this is my favorite track on the soundtrack, and uh, because it's, it really is just some clever writing i mean it's it's a it's fugal i mean it's it's basically a fugue that he's written and uh, there's a lot of really interesting counterpoint and it just has like sort of a a toughness about it that no, i really like Cordy, I'm, I'm going to just to interject briefly just i'm, I'm not saying for me not for me mm-hmm. just for the listeners out there he said wink wink nod nod uh explain a little bit what you mean by by fugal because uh, we, we hear sure. the term fugue in music a lot but like what does that exactly mean in the context of the score yeah, it's sort of like the probably the easiest way to explain it would be like row, row, row your boat. You know, you, you sing the melody and then when you get to the end of it, you continue singing it when somebody else comes in singing the exact same melody, but you're doing something different and then they overlay and so on and so on. So with a fugue, you start out with a, a theme or a, a, a short subject or a melody and uh, one instrument section will play it. And then another instrument section will come in starting the exact same melody while the first people that played it go somewhere else and do something different. And you keep adding on, so on and so on. And it really is sort of, from a composer standpoint, it's sort of the, the benchmark of someone's ability to, to, you know, to really write with craft. Because it's yeah. like sort of reverse engineering a crossword puzzle <laughs> is the best <laughs> way to describe how how it feels to write a few. They're very difficult to write. It takes a lot of craft. So it, can you give us this, man, this is great. So give us like, what's an example of one in uh, say the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy of something that really has that fugal quality to it? You know, in, in the original trilogy, there's, there's not as much of that. I mean, there's certainly a lot of counterpoint, you know, meaning, 
there's melody and there's something else going on at the same time that's different. But I, don't, I can't think of an exact example of one that's, that's a, a straight-up fugue-type writing uh, from the original trilogy. Um, you know, right off the top of my head, I'm, I can't really think of one from the prequels, although I know there is. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> is that- I, I was going to say, at least from what you described, that kind of reminds me uh, quite a lot of both Anakin's theme from Episode One and uh, the love theme from Attack of Clones, at least in some of the qualities where it does yeah. kind of move from section of the orchestra to section of the orchestra. Right, Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and certainly with Anakin's theme, uh, you know, that, by the way, is some of the most brilliant writing ah. imaginable. I mean, I thought when it, you know, when, when you just listen to it surface level, it's just this beautiful piece of music. But when you dig into it, like compositionally, when I, when I actually just studied it and tried to break it down, it's, it's very, very complex because of the counterpoint that we're talking about. The, the way he passes things around the orchestra and the way you know, the melody will start and then go somewhere different when, and a new instrument will come in playing, you know, the, the beginning of the melody and then it just sort of develops. And then harmonically, it's very dense and it, it, you wouldn't think it was because to listen to it, it just sounds almost pretty, you know, with maybe like a slight haunting quality. But harmonically, he's not staying in one key for, you know, more than two measures. I mean, he then immediately switches keys and then switches back and then you know, ties it all in by bringing it back around to the first key he started in the end. And, you know, it's, it's just really sort of a, you know, it takes you on a journey compositionally, which I think is cool. That, that, that is, that is so true because Anakin's theme is one of those that's really, really kind of, it's tough to pin down. It's not, it's yeah. not one of those that you would immediately be able to, I, I don't know, hum or strum on guitar. You're not exactly going to be able Exactly. To. It's not singable at all. I mean, it, if you were to ask me to sing it now, like, I'm not a very good singer. I probably wouldn't be able to to sing it perfectly on, on pitch. But it is memorable. You know, memorable doesn't, memorable doesn't necessarily have to mean singable yeah. in most cases. I actually believe that a lot of people believe that the Imperial March is a very singable melody. And the first part of it is, but... The, the tail end of the first section, the A section, going into the B section, is it's very chromatic. It jumps all over the place melodically. That's... And, uh, you know, I think people would have a harder time actually singing it if they were, you know, put to the task. Like, sing it note for note. Yeah. It's actually really tricky. But it's very memorable. We all know exactly what it is. If you hear it, you immediately know what it is. And I think that's what John Williams is great at, is writing memorable that's, that's so not true. necessarily singable well exactly like you hear right here i pull it up you're gonna hear hear these key changes and it kind of comes home and that's where you hear that little brief glimpse yes. of the uh, imperial march ah see this dude's exactly. brilliant it is. It really is brilliant. Ah, Gordon, I'm so glad that we have you on. All right, well, but we can't we can't stop without talking about uh, the central character uh, of the film, of really the one who goes on the hero's journey, and that that's of course uh, Ray's theme. Uh, and and I'm gonna get we're gonna take a listen to it in a moment, but just that's really the theme that, especially upon repeated viewings, you really hear how many times it's threaded through the thrust of the film whenever there's a tense moment whenever there's uh, a tension or uh, especially anything important changing in the plot uh, especially as the various act one transitions to act two 
Act Two transitions to Act Three with Ray's capture. You know, you have these just incredible uh, moments, but they're almost always punctuated by this brand new theme. And I think if there's anything that John Williams put the most effort into, it really sounds like this is the central part. Uh, talk a little bit about Ray's theme, Gordy. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Ray's theme is it's it's kind of perfect for what it's supposed to be, which is characterizing someone that's sort of naive and innocent, but has a, a great arc ahead. And uh, so the so the music is very sort of inquisitive. It's uh, curious. It's it's textural. So it's not like a fully developed theme, but Ray is not a fully developed character as of yet. So when we start with this theme, I think it's very subtle and um, and sort of gives this impression of a journey about to begin, uh, sort of a quest or, you know, a, a curious person that doesn't know much about the world yet, yeah. but is about to discover these things. And he gave himself, John Williams gave himself a lot of room to develop this this uh, this theme he did. as the character develops and it tells it starts out with just a grain of an idea and really allows himself to sort of grow i mean it has room to grow even further from you know where he left off in this film so absolutely siri takes it next yeah absolutely it's one of those things that it does start off in the in this in fact like there's this great um i'm going to put it in the show notes um this article that mashable has um that's basically kind of briefly touches on what we're kind of diving in on in depth here. Uh, it's the seven things we learned from The Force Awakens uh, music, of course, hallmarking the day and the era we live in, where it is indeed... <laughs> we're discussing <laughs> one of the greatest maestros of our age, and we've, we've, <laughs> we have condensed it into a listicle. Thank you, Internet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. But, but okay, so, so on Ray's theme, I, I apologize. Brief digression there. Um, <laughs> talking about Ray's theme, it does. It starts off in a very hesitant manner. And um, one thing that, the, that they've included here on the article is a really cool kind of graphic that breaks down with time, with time stamps uh, the theme one and theme two of Ray's theme and how they transition from different sections of the orchestra. So I'm going to take it. We're going to take a brief listen right here to the uh, first portion, right at the beginning of what John Williams selected as the only time he did a full concert suite, which is typically, you know, this is the, if it's the duel of the fates for, for uh, of course, Phantom Menace, you of course get uh, the love theme from attack of the clones across the stars. And of course, battle of the heroes for episode three, it's race theme. Let's take a listen. Right here, what you're hearing is theme one. This is what we first hear when we see her as a scavenger. But that's not really her full theme. That's the introduction. Or I, Would you call that, again, Gordy, I'm, you can help me out here. Um, would that be kind of considered an A section? Yeah, I would certainly consider it an A section. Or you can call it you know, theme one. I mean, I, mean, I think this is sort of what I was talking about, the, the inquisitive uh, sort of curious, it's, you know, slightly naive sound. Down to the use of bells, something very rare for yeah. Williams in a Star Wars score. Yeah, 
Yeah, at least in, in that, you know, having it that far in the foreground, you know, I mean, certainly uses, you know, Celestin bells and, you know, sort of as a orchestral color, but here we're hearing flute and, and these orchestral bells sort of very much in the foreground. And I think that's, it has, you know, like I said, like I, what I believe has sort of an innocent sound to it. Yes. And uh, almost childlike. And which I think is cool because we're, we're just meeting this character. She's just, you know, sort of entering into this, you know, this, this world and, and learning. And, uh, you know, it, it works perfectly for the, the idea of the scavenger sort of on, on a little quest. So it I think does. it kind of works in that very, you know, sort of, you know, surface level aspect, but also this, you know, to the further point of her, like starting a journey. I think it's, it's kind of a perfect beginning. And it does, well, kind of what he did so well with uh, Anakin's theme from episode one, it does so beautifully contrast her harsh environment with her character yeah. because she as a character is a giant stark contrast with her harsh environment. And, and yeah. you're right. She has, there's a sort of uh, naive innocence to her. Like when she, in the movie, when she's seeing Finn and it's like, uh, Oh, you're a resistance fighter. And she looks so thrilled. Like, wow, this is amazing. And of course she's like, I am with the resistance. That's me. They look like me, <laughs> by the way, resistance fighter right here. Uh, <laughs> but, but let's not take away from my favorite portion of this theme, which is sort of, theme two or the b section where it kind of it becomes maybe less pensive and a little bit more more hopeful a little bit more searching right here and of course as you're listening to this podcast this should sound very familiar to you because i know if you're in this audience, you've seen this film multiple times, and that's the thing that really threads through the whole film. But not before we go back to the first section. And it gets a little bit more insistent, a little bit bolder. And then it soars into the full theme right here. But I still feel like we do get brief moments of it coming, like right here. And I just want to listen to the whole song now. <laughs> but we do, get, we do get so many quotes of this theme throughout the film, but I feel like we don't ever get, intentionally so, the really full, bombastic theme. And I think... Um, uh, Gordy, you kind of touched on it. There's room. There's room for growth here in a way that there needs to be. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I completely agree. I, I think that he's left himself room for growth, I, but I do think that he also does have developed this theme pretty well with this in, in this film and in the suite. Uh, just starting out with the like we were talking about the very delicate sound of the 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 mid to low range flutes with the, with the small bell sounds. And then, you know, by the time we get into, you know, the second minute of this suite, you know, here we're hearing this full theme with, you know, the full French horn section, very sort of noble kind of sound to it. So it really is growing and becoming more powerful and, you know, then it modulates and, you know, takes us to a new place and then comes back, 
you know. So it's sort of this up and down kind of quality to it. I think it's really great. Um, you know, something else I kind of noticed is just the 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 pitch choices that he used for the for the the second theme, if you if you want to call it that, um, are interestingly similar to the pitch choices that he used for Kylo Ren's theme. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm still sort of toying with this idea in my head and I don't want to, you know, make any, you know, false claims here, but I, I want to dig deeper and see what the relationship between those two melodies is because they have similar pitch choices. They have a similar shape. Now, are you them. speaking of his sort of, because his is one of the ones that we unfortunately had to skirt over here, but I feel like I need to, I'm going to bring it up here because he does have a very, um, his clearly evil. Prominent motif. Prominent motif. Yeah. Is that the one you're talking about? Yes. Well, in that case, yeah. sir, I, I, I'm here but to serve and uh, I will play it right now. Actually, what, what I'm going to bet right now, because I have the YouTube video preloaded, if we can get this. Interesting. Hmm. So we do have that nice bombastic, brassy, bum 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 bum. Uh, and you're yeah. talking about theme two, right? For for Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Exactly. Uh, and, and the shape, the shapes that he uses in the melody, if you speak it from sort of vis visually. Well, I'm going to play sort of a small leap, then a slightly larger leap, then a leap up, and then a big leap down. In Ray's theme, it's it's the exact same thing, but almost is is it's reversed. Well, let's take <laughs> and, a listen to. And it's using to... the same parts of the scale as in uh, Ray's theme. So I think that's kind of an interesting comparison. Okay, so you know, I'm, I'm not so sure curious. If I've got to on his part, but I'd be curious. To oh, have. absolutely! No, no, I'm I'm now I'm really curious. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right here to uh, Ray's theme two. So you, what you're hearing is sort of a um, uh, inverse. Of, yes, of exactly. Thing. It's a retrograde uh, version. You're right, because hers rises in almost the exact same, uh, again, for lack of a better musical vocabulary, uh, hers yeah. kind of rises in the same uh, cadence as his falls. Bum, bum, exactly. bum, bum. And it's bum, 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 bum. Mm. Yeah. Ah. Exactly. It's almost. A, By the it's way, not, it's not an exact retrograde, but but it's a very it's a retrograde shape, for sure. And sure. it's using the same similar pitches from the from like the <laughs> the minor mode. So By the way, Gordy, it's kind of interesting. Oh, absolutely. See, I, there we go. I think <laughs> this is the kind of this is why I'm so glad to have you on, man. This is this has been an absolutely incredible journey, and I've got to say, Gordy, you did it. What you've done is successfully devolved us towards the end to. Um, uh, Riley, very poorly and crudely humming and bumming along his version of John Williams' music, which is exactly what we do all the time in the privacy of our own uh, showers. <laughs> so exactly. you've done it, sir. I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, tell you what, uh, you. tell folks where they can find you and find your work. Sure. Uh, I have a website. It's gordyhab.com, G-O-R-D-Y-H-A-A-B. Uh, I'm on SoundCloud, Gordy Hab, 
and uh, yeah, that's it. And you if you want to hear, if you want to hear some amazing Star Wars music, Battlefront. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. If you want to hear absolutely incredible Star Wars music, um, follow, like, look up Gordy Hab on on SoundCloud again. That's G O R D Y H A A B double A. Um, and, and find it on SoundCloud because you've got a lot of great stuff from uh, not only the Old Republic, but also um, you've got, uh, well, of, of course, well, Star Wars Connect. There it is. There's the one, right. which, is, which had right. to be a, a fun journey as well. So make sure you find Gordy on SoundCloud. I've had a lot of fun yesterday kind of listening through some of the different tracks. Absolutely. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Star Wars Report podcast. Uh, we're going to call it quits. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Remember, you can find us on uh, iTunes and your podcatcher of choice. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter. It's at Star Wars Report as well as on Facebook. It's just Star Wars Report. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in, and uh, we will see you guys next week. There it is. Woohoo! Awesome, man. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on. Thank really you cool. so much, man. That was amazing. Yeah, that, that was really fun, man. I enjoyed it.